when you're doing something that really means something, you're going to have to deal with a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And this was my deepest dream and it wasn't going to come easy. And so I think for me, I just used that, that fear of failing and that stress of, of not knowing where I'm going next. And I tried to harness those things and turn it into great work. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of Beat Off Beat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. In this episode, I'm super excited to speak with Eric, who made it around the world without flying. Eric crossed all seven continents using just public transportation and by bartering his entire way around the world. He recently published a book which is available on Amazon called Sky's the Limit, One Man's 70,000 Mile Journey Around the World. So listen on to find out how Eric was able to travel the world for free. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to be speaking with my guest today. I'm here with Eric. Hey Eric, how are you? Hey Debbie, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to this. Awesome. Can you tell us about you, Eric, and why you live an offbeat life? Sure. Well, I was actually working a, a corporate career for an educational software company, and I was kind of living this on paper, really great life. I was living in South Beach, had kind of the nice condo, the nice car and yada, 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 but I was really unfulfilled. And so I was kind of getting up, living that Bill Murray, Groundhog Day kind of life. (laughs) And I said, you know, what is my deepest dream? Like, what's the biggest thing I really want to do? And I was about 31, 32 at the time. And the answer came back, which was something I think most people want to do, which is actually travel around the world full time. So I kind of came up with this new idea, which is, all right, I want to try to travel around the whole world without flying and see if I can cross all seven continents using pretty much just public transportation. So I kind of thought like, okay, wow, that's my biggest dream travel wise. And then what's kind of like my biggest dream in terms of getting away from this corporate career. So the other part of it was this transformation side, which was I wanted to become a photographer, a filmmaker, and a travel writer. And kind of the crazy part, which we'll get to in a second, is that I didn't even own a camera, and I had (laughs) zero background in any sort of writing skills. I didn't own any sort of photography equipment. So I was literally starting at ground zero and, um, you know, trying to figure all that stuff out. And then and eventually I kind of did and pulled it off and started trying to uh, travel all the way around the world. Well, that seems pretty ballsy of you, Eric, (laughs) not knowing any of these things. And most of the time when people see those obstacles, right, because we all have our dreams that we want to accomplish, you know, we want to make this certain amount, we want to travel to these places, we want to get this type of job. But then we see that we either don't 
have the skills like you're talking about, or it's just really hard. So for you, Eric, how did you actually prepare for this, especially with somebody, you know, I mean, I think the main motivation essentially was just you didn't want to have another Groundhog Day, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there were so many life changes that went into it. But before I ended up quitting my my corporate career, I, I gave myself one year to kind of learn all of those skills. And, and funny enough, like the biggest thing that I did, the very first thing I did is actually chart papered my entire living room. And I just wrote kind of step one for photography, which was sign up for photography 101, <laughs> travel writing, step one, sign up for travel writing 101 and build a travel blog. So I kind of like made this really gigantic vision board, which honestly was like very, very uh, important in the early stages. And, and I turned those really big dreams into kind of a to-do list. And then that to-do list just became so much more manageable in my mind. And I was able to literally sign up for Photography 101 at just Miami-Dade Community College because I was living in Miami. And then I was able to start taking these courses somewhere online and somewhere in person over that one year. And then the other part of it, which is all also very overwhelming, is money, right? Like most people don't just have enough money to kind of quit everything and say, okay, I'm going to travel full time. And I certainly didn't. I was actually in debt when I initially came up with this idea. So I ended up working a second job and, and trying to save a bunch of money as I was learning all of these skills that one year. So it was kind of like a crash course. I didn't really own a camera until about halfway through the photography courses. I actually started on an iPhone 4, believe it or not, way back. That sounds like so ancient right now. But I started on a, a <laughs> tiny little iPhone 4 and I just eventually bought a, a, a Canon camera and a, and a used lens. And then we'll get to this in a second, but I didn't have enough money, even when I set out to travel, and I kind of had this little light bulb idea before I left, which is, okay, let me try to, to actually barter my way around the whole world. That is pretty impressive, right? Because that is, you're right, that's one of the biggest excuses or the biggest deterrent for people to actually start traveling, especially if they have a lot of debt, they don't have remote work yet, but they want to have this lifestyle of traveling and they just want to see the world. You know, I think for a really long time, and it still happens today, we're often taught that we can't really enjoy life that way until we're retired. We're in our 60s, you're yeah. comfortable, yeah. and then you can start living life, Eric. Then that's when you really should do it. So I think a lot of us have figured out that you don't have to do it that way. So that is, well, definitely kudos to you. Now, when you actually decided to leave. Well, you already decided to leave. You were prepping yourself to do this. What was that what now moment like for you after you gave in your notice? Then what was the day after? Like, how did that feel? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was uh, obviously it's, it's super exciting because I'm actually going to start to get on the road here pretty soon. I'm going to leave Miami and actually technically fly to my starting point, which was Cape Town, South Africa. So I started at kind of the very southernmost point in Africa and wanted to kind of start there because I figured Africa would be the most challenging continent to kind of barter my way across. And so, yeah, it's, it was super exciting. And I'm sure everybody knows this is also very scary. But one of the things that gave me the most confidence, which was right before I left Miami, was I came up with this idea to barter and how I bartered was with hotels. And so the initial thought was, okay, hotels would most likely be willing to give me a room for free if I could provide some sort of service for them. So even though I was a new photographer and a new filmmaker, 
I thought, hey, let me reach out to every hotel in Cape Town, which was literally from your five-star hotels to your zero-star hostels. And I sent this email, which was, hey, if you let me come and stay for a week for free, in exchange, what I can do is I can do photos of your rooms, of your restaurant, of your lobby, of your pool, of your breakfast, whatever, and a video as well. Now, keep in mind, when I sent this first email, I had zero hotel photos on my newly created travel blog. It was just photos of Miami Beach because that's where I was practicing every morning. So it was a lot of sunrise shots. So I'm thinking there is no chance any of these hotels, especially a nice one, any of these hotels would ever say yes, because if you check out my portfolio at the time, it's it's pretty empty. And, you know, believe it or not, the, the next morning I woke up, three hotels in Cape Town had agreed to my offer. And I had kind of the first two and a half to three weeks already spaced out in terms of where I'm going to stay for free. And it really hit me in that moment, like, oh, my God, this idea is going to work. Because if it works here in Cape Town with no portfolio and no background, I know I can just kind of duplicate this as I move about the world and then obviously build up a portfolio, which miracle is exactly what happened. So that was a really seminal moment at the very, very beginning, right before I left when one of these hotels took me up on my offer to let me stay for free in exchange for the photos. And I thought, wow, this is it. Like this is really going to work somehow. And I didn't know how, but that was the first kind of strong sign that I was on the right track. And that just proves that you never know what's going to happen until you ask. That's what you got to do. And they were really nice hotels, too. Like, they were beautiful uh, bed and breakfast in this little part of um, Cape Town called Kalk Bay. And it was just like, I got there and I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, I'm kind of laughing to myself. (laughs) And, like, it was just very exciting and overwhelming because now I've actually got to do what I've promised, you know, which, which was fun. And I grew into that role, but yeah, at the beginning, you're just like, how did this work again? Like, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes you surprise yourself with what you actually create with your life. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people are so afraid to just ask, right? Because there's going to be a lot of rejections. And I think in the recent years, uh, there's been a lot of things popping up, especially for influencers who are asking for like free stays for social media stuff. But there's a huge difference between that and then actually bartering for work because you are working, you are creating something there and it's not just for like likes or whatever it is because these companies these hotels will use those photos for their website their social media and there's a huge difference here and it's so funny and interesting that you do that eric because i do have a decent amount of listeners i have readers like tens and thousands of readers with my website, hundreds of thousands of listeners on my podcast, tens of thousands of followers on on social. But what I always tell companies whenever I work with them, especially brands that are hotels, is I'm also going to give you images, right? And that always stands out because most of the time people are just like, oh, I have a lot of followers. It's just for that. No, like there also has to be something else they can use themselves to. And that is 
is a really ingenious way to do it. And that's why you, even you're not, you know, at that time you weren't an influencer. You didn't have hundreds of thousands of followers and you were able to do this, which I love. So true. And I always think you nailed it exactly right. Like I was offering a service as opposed to likes, right? And I never came at it from an influencer perspective, even though I do have like 50,000 followers and whatever, whatever, whatever. I never, ever even really referenced that, to be honest, because I was like, I'm providing a service that is actually going to be really valuable to you because you're you're going to use these on TripAdvisor, you're going to use these on your social media, you're going to use these on your own website. And I always tell people all the time, my thing was photography and films because that's what I enjoyed. But I met, believe it or not, an electrician in Africa who was rewiring the outside lighting for a hotel for a month's worth of free stay. You know, I met personal trainers that were giving and and free training sessions in exchange for a room or whether it was a chef coming to do or somebody was painting murals in exchange for a room. So like there's so many things you can offer. And so I always just tell people offer whatever it is that you're interested in or whatever it is you're good at. It doesn't have to be photography. You might not even own a camera, but maybe there's something that you do well and a hotel might just take you up on that and you might as well just reach out. And this is a concept that I think not many people think about or do, right? I think most people think of when they see people with free stays, it's just influencers, right? Yeah. But there's so much more than that. And it's actually so much more valuable because it is a service that these companies actually need, right? And you're talking about all of these different types of occupations that you have done at home that you can use as an actual bartering service to do when you are traveling, which I love. I love when people are thinking outside of the box so that they can afford to travel and you don't need to break the bank. You don't need to wait for years and years. You don't need to retire (laughs) to be able to do this. And what's your biggest expense while traveling? It's always going to be the lodging, right? So to me, I was like, let me knock that out of this. And I wasn't using airplanes. So I, it wasn't like I had these big airline expenses. So to, to be honest, the only thing I was actually really paying for was kind of the public transportation, which was the bus rides and, and things to get from city to city or spot to spot. So yeah, that was like, if I could figure this one big thing out, then you're knocking out like your number one and number two and three big expenses all in one shot. Love it. I love that. And of course, we're going to go into much more detail with this with our extended interview with Eric. So make sure you check out that extended with him because he's going to talk to you about how to pitch and how to really make sure you get this bartering deal going for yourself so you can travel sooner rather than later. I love that, Eric. So now when we think about someone like you and people like us, right, who work remotely, who are travelers, who are digital nomads, people who live the offbeat life, a lot of people are afraid because they they feel like there's really no security, right? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Why didn't that deter you from continuing to do this, right? And how do you get over that hump of not technically having a secure income for yourself? You know, that was really tricky. And to to even take it a step further, when I was bartering my way around the world, I never had a route plan. So I never knew where I was going to be going two, three, four weeks in advance. So oftentimes I felt like 
not homeless because that's a very serious thing, but I felt like I wasn't even sure where I was going to be next. So there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of stress on it. And I think that comes with when you're doing something that really means something, you're going to have to deal with a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And this was my deepest dream and it wasn't going to come easy. And so I think for me, I just used that that fear of failing and that stress of, of not knowing where I'm going next. And I tried to harness those things and turn it into great work so that I didn't want any hotels to be disappointed with my product, whatever I gave them at the end. With the, the book that I, I just wrote and published, I was writing stories as I went. I, I wanted to give everything, you know, 150%. And I think when you're stressed out, if you can harness that in a way sometimes and even acknowledge it, like you have to own it. Like, yeah, this is really, really hard. This is really scary. You can't fight those feelings. And I think a lot of my book is is talking about how difficult it really was. And the realities are not these pretty pictures on Instagram. The realities are this is very challenging, very stressful. It ended one relationship that I was in at the time because it was so difficult to balance all these new things that I was trying to do. And there is no perfect way. And I think that's what makes it so exciting, right, is that you're learning through all of these obstacles and through all of the stress who you really are. At least that's what it did for me. And so to be honest, you really need that that stress or that fear of not knowing how all of this is going to work because it helps you think on your feet. And remember, I was doing the same thing every day for so long that I really wanted a challenge, right? Like I wanted to figure out who I was. I wanted all of these obstacles. And I think even to a certain extent, I probably manifested a lot of them on purpose so that I could get to the real me because it really helped me when you're stuck in Africa or you're stranded in Siberia and you miss your train and it's negative four degrees in Siberia, you have to think on your feet and figure things out pretty quick because if not, you're going to go home and you're going to fly home and you're going to quit. And I think that to me was the, the biggest point of all of this was all of that stress turns out to be really great if you can use it the, the most productive ways. And I'm thinking about it in a way, too. If you're not willing to leave your comfort zone, there's no reason to leave home, right? Yeah. I mean, that's where the greatest growth is, right? Anytime you're outside your comfort zone, that's going to be where you learn the most about yourself. And so I knew that going into it. And anytime an obstacle did kind of come up or a stress did come up, it wasn't like, why me? It was like, okay, great. Now what's next? You know? So it, my mind shift switched from why me to kind of, okay, great. What's next? How can I get through this? And also, I think that that is why it's so different from just your typical vacation. I think people think that when you travel for this amount of time, that it's just a long-term vacation. Right? No. But- so real quick, this was <laughs> yeah. the hardest way to make it around the world without flying 70,000 miles using only public transportation. So I spent like a month on a cargo ship crossing the Pacific. I spent three oh weeks gosh. crossing the Atlantic. You know, and these little tiny arduous buses in in Africa crossing through third world countries and then also in Southeast Asia where it was really, really difficult. So I don't ever chalk up what I did as any sort of vacation. It was great to work with really nice hotels, but the in-between was traveling as as real and as raw and as rugged as it literally humanly gets. (laughs) So when you were putting yourself in these situations, because that's what you did with yourself, what do you think was the biggest obstacle that you actually faced during these times? I think there were a couple. So so we'll start we'll start with there's two. So the biggest one was actually like there was a lot of terrorist attacks and so when I was trying to cross through East Asia 
there was a terrorist attack at Garissa University in, in Kenya, which killed 175 people. And so in a physical sense, there were a lot of warnings out for Westerners. I haven't mentioned it, but I'm 6'10". I'm a tall white guy with a lot of tattoos. So I stand out, especially anywhere. No, you blend in, in, Eric. (laughs) In East Africa. So I was definitely nervous because there was very, very serious terror threats, which were actually carried out. And and like I said, over 175 people were brutally murdered. And the very next couple of days, I had to take a 48-hour bus ride through that region where that attack was carried out. So that's a really big part of my my book and kind of, you know, not quitting at that moment. I could have easily flown around the danger, but I chose to go on this 48-hour bus ride through a very life-threatening area. So physically, that was probably the most dangerous. It also happened again in, in Egypt, in the Sinai Peninsula. There was a lot of um, terrorist activities in that region as well. And then kind of what we were saying just mentally how can I actually quit a corporate career and transform my life into something creative? And so you have just a lot of doubt. You have a lot of insecurities because I've never been a photographer. I've never been a writer. You know, when I just released my book, I wasn't, I thought it was really good, but I've never done this before. And so you you just have to wait and see what people think. I mean, thankfully, I mean, I've gotten all great feedback so far, but you're really putting yourself out there in a creative sense, especially if it's stuff that you've never done and don't have a background in. But that's also when you can learn the quickest because you're starting at zero and and everything's new and and you have a passion for it. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of positives as well. Absolutely. And I think one of the positives, at least for me, whenever I go in these trips, whether it's long or short, is really the relationships that you build with complete strangers, right? Especially if you're put into situations that are either dangerous, just not norm to you. What was that like for you, Eric? What do you think are the most memorable relationships that you have built during that time when you were traveling the world? You know, that is is so true. Like traveling is always about the people to me and not the places. That said, I'm a very introverted person. And believe it or not, I'm a a homebody, which is very (laughs) like counterintuitive for somebody that travels the world. But so I'm a little bit of an introvert, a little bit of a homebody and can, you know, tend to be a little bit shy. But um, in the book, the, the kind of the two main people that I met were actually I had started traveling in Africa with my then girlfriend at the time. And so, you know, that was you know, brought us extremely close together when you're traveling the way that we were and you're together 24 seven. It's not like you can just kind of walk down to a Starbucks and get a couple minute break from somebody. So I really learned a lot about myself and relationships just in general with, with that first one. And then we ended up having this very tearful breakup in Tanzania where she had left and I continued on alone. Uh, but she was just so important and, and she's such a large part of the book, especially at the beginning that that year of me trying to learn film and photography and, and she was so supportive and then actually going on all these long, awful bus rides through Mozambique and Malawi without complaining and really actually embracing and enjoying it. So, you know, I just learned so much about myself and relationships through that relationship. And then two years later, I actually met another woman and it was kind of this very intense love at first sight kind of thing. And I don't want to ruin the end of the book, but um, <laughs> you know, our connection was was definitely kind of the next level type connection and we ended up embarking kind of on this long distance relationship and you know, it's kind of a fun end to the book, so I don't want to give the last line away. But, you know, so those were 
very important people that I had met or, or was traveling, you know, alongside for, for a little bit of time, but just honestly, people at like rest stops or when you ask for help and somebody helps you in a country and you, you don't know the language and, you know, you're trying to kind of mime where to go. And it was just like the kindness of strangers to, to always be willing to kind of help me out and point me in the right direction. And, you know, even though there were some really rough things going on in the world, thankfully, I always came across really nice and kind people. So, Eric, where was the last location that you traveled to before you went home? So technically, my journey, so I crossed Africa through the Middle East, Europe, um, into Asia, Australia, North America, South America, Antarctica, and then I looped all the way back around to London. So technically, London would have been kind of the starting point and the end point because that's where my my loop connected. So London would have been the last point. And believe it or not, I then kept going. I took a bus to Amsterdam. And then um, when I could have flown because I completed my mission, and then I flew home or I didn't have a home, but I flew to Miami and got a home from, from Amsterdam. That is amazing. Well, do you definitely took yourself all over the world. And I was just going to say, I'm like, from what you were talking about in terms of like creating and building relationships when you were abroad, it was like your eat, pray, love type of thing. You know, you had someone in the beginning and then had someone in the end. (laughs) I always describe my book as um, it's eat, pray, love meets Bear Grylls. You know, it is very romantic, you know, relationship-based journey and kind of a spiritual journey as well. But it's also then you have this Bear Grylls aspect, this survivor man side, where you're out in the wild crossing the Sahara Desert, you're, you know, getting to Antarctica on a ship, you know, so you have all these wild travel experiences kind of mixed together with these softer side, if you will. (laughs) Love that. Love that it's all encompassing, spiritual, love, you know, like (laughs) survival man stuff. That's pretty awesome. So Eric, when you were living abroad, what type of international insurance did you use, or if any? <laughs> That's so great. Great question. I actually didn't want any. Um, and I think my dad was just like, he's very insistent on you have to get it. And I just didn't get it. But kind of a funny story was, is when I I would get on these cargo ships. So crossing the Pacific Ocean, you're a month at sea. And in order to get a passenger ticket, which you, I didn't even know you could do this, you can buy a ticket on a cargo ship and be a regular passenger. But in order to do that, you actually have to get this crazy insurance, which is like very expensive that if you need to get airlifted from the middle of the Pacific Ocean, your insurance will oh cover gosh. this airlifting to whatever country is close by. So uh, to be honest, I can't remember the name of it, but I did end up having to get insurance specifically for the cargo ship journeys that I was on, which was about two or three times. Um, But outside of that, I just kind of winged it. And I did go to a couple doctors. Like I went to a doctor in Ethiopia, which was not a great experience. And I did go to a doctor like in Malaysia and, and Greece. So I would just go and pay out of pocket if I ever did actually have to see a doctor. Love that. You're definitely living on the edge. So that is pretty incredible. But I do have to say that, you know, finding insurance when you're in a steady location is really hard, but it's even harder when you're on the road. You're talking about this, especially with the way you travel, Eric. It's pretty hard. 
crazy. Yeah. So, and I'm often really confused by all the requirements and need to, so much help to get through the processing claims because I am not that type of girl. <laughs> That's why I'm really glad I found a company, Integra Global. I've been working with them for such a long time who has the most incredible customer service. They have 24-7 help and you can submit a claim through their app and your claims are being managed by their in-house global expert team who are able to handle any issues which means less stress and panic. But of course, Eric loves to stress and panic, apparently. So <laughs> um, <laughs> that actually sounds amazing. Yeah. I, I wish I would have known this during that because all of that that you just said were all of my issues. Like, how do you even submit a claim in, exactly. in you know, Tanzania? Yeah, and the great thing about Integra Global too, which I really rave about, is that they cover things that you may not even know you need. So during the whole start of the pandemic, there's so many insurance companies that didn't cover that and they did. So that is one of the things that I really love about them. So if Eric, you're interested or if anyone else is interested, you can go to IntegraGlobal.com for more details because they are pretty incredible. So thank you for your story with that whole insurance and being on the road, which is pretty incredible that you need like a different thing for that if you need to get airlifted or anything. So hopefully none <laughs> right. of us will have to go through that. So Eric, let's fast forward to 40 to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for that. Like, man, this guy had a chance to either stick with his corporate career or just change the complete trajectory of his life and tap into this creativity. And I want to just be remembered for somebody that was able to kind of go out on a limb and, and chase their dreams to the utmost, you know, end of the earth, literally the end of the earth, and um, <laughs> gave it 150% in order to do that. And hopefully that is, you know, kind of what I would be remembered for it. And hopefully it will inspire other people, which is really important to me to kind of go out and do whatever it is they're meant to do. Maybe it's not travel the world, but if you want to be the best accountant, you know, hopefully there's there's parts of my story where I stuck with my dreams when it seemed impossible that translate to other people's dreams as well. Yeah, and I, I think about it this way too. We only have one life to live and there should at least be one moment in your life where you do something completely insane and crazy. Well, at least... <laughs> Other people may think that way, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's part of living life. And then you can yeah. go back when they think about this moment that you had, you know, and really feel like you and like lived the greatest it. thing about it all too is like I can close my eyes at any point and I can picture all of those places and all those moments. And so you get to relive all of those great experiences because you've had them and they don't really go away. Sure, memories fade and things like that, but you know, they'll always kind of be there inside me. And I think that's a really, really important thing. Yeah. And no more groundhog days, or at least if you have to go back to that, you know, you've lived life for a year or two. <laughs> well, it's hard to go back. If you had to right? go back, it would be very difficult. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the big it. thing too. That's why I kept fighting so hard for what it is. You know, I have a photography business now because I scratched and clawed to start this business and I worked so hard on the book because I wanted those things to be successful. So I didn't have to go back because it would just mentally be impossible at this point. Yeah, true. Love that. You're not the same person anymore once you started leaving that type of life, which is exactly. amazing. So before we say goodbye, I have five rapid questions for you. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right. What has been the best money you've ever spent while abroad and why? 
The best money, my favorite thing is to go to soccer games. So I went to this incredible soccer match in Rio de Janeiro. It was Vasco da Gama versus Fluminense, which is the poor city team versus the rich city team. And it was 20,000 fans in a 100-year-old stadium. And it was only like a $10 ticket, but it was the best experience I ever had. And it was just wild. And being in Brazil for soccer matches is just amazing. That is pretty incredible. And what an experience. All right. So describe what your ideal day would look like. Travel-wise, when I would uh, wake up, I would always like to work out. I think that's really important. So I would never skip a workout while I was on the road. So I carried these little exercise bands where I would do yoga videos in my hotel room if there wasn't a gym. And then I would always make sure I get breakfast. And then I would actually start kind of doing, if it was the hotel photography, I would try to do that. And if it wasn't that, I would, you know, just walk around the city. I'm not a big touristy type person. I don't like to go to monuments or churches or things like that. I like to just walk around and go to a cafe or a coffee shop and kind of just mix and mingle and live a normal daily life. I don't necessarily need to see everything wherever it is I'm at. Yeah, I can relate to that. I'm a big eater. So <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. eat my way around the city. Yes, <laughs> Where's the best location do you feel is to live as a remote worker? Ooh, you know, for me, I always like to, I only speak English. So for somebody that's traveled around the world, it, it is a little bit pathetic on my end that I only speak English. So if I were to live somewhere else, I personally would want to live where I can just communicate the easiest. And so I would love to live in Australia because, you know, obviously the language is the same. So Melbourne is one of my favorite cities. I think that'd be a great spot to kind of work remotely. I also love London. And then in terms of cities where maybe don't speak English, I love Buenos Aires. That'd be a fun city to kind of relocate to and work remotely. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but there's so many great places. But I love Australia, England, and, you know, probably uh, Argentina. Love that. Now, if you could have a superpower, Eric, what would it be? That I could fit more comfortably in bus seats and plane seats. I'm 6'10", 265 <laughs> pounds. And so I was on the tiniest buses. They're not even buses. They're minivans with a, a bucket turned over, and that's a seat. And then you've literally got some woman like sitting in your lap, in your legs. So it would just need <laughs> to be more comfortable. And oh, to be able to sleep on a bus or a train, because so many of my journeys were overnight and you'd have to sleep on a bus or a train and it's just very difficult to get a good night's sleep just in general on anything that's moving yeah i didn't i didn't even think about that because you're so <laughs> tall oh my god that must be hell for you when you go to those places but hey yeah, you still kept crazy. going <laughs> now yeah. last question what's the one thing you wish you did sooner um, I think the one thing I wish I did sooner was include other people more. So like I'm a, like I said, I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. And I tend to when you're doing something creative, you tend to kind of close off and you, you, you tend to have to like tap into that creativity, which is somewhere within usually in, in, in my experience. And so I didn't maybe meet as many people as I could have or as I should have because of the stress of trying to get all of this creative thoughts out and try to, you know, do what it is I'm trying to do. One of the areas that I closed off a little bit was maybe making those connections and having those deep bonds with other people. Now, I did occasionally do that, but that was one of the, the faults of mine. And, you know, I'm not being hard on myself because I was trying to do so many things at, at one time while traveling. But that, you know, building maybe better friendships and relationships and being a little more open to that, I think would have would have suited me in my journey a little bit better. You could do it next time now, too. <laughs> For sure. And that is the goal. Like, that is the definite goal moving forward is to, you know, include other people more and, and not, you know, be so isolated on my own. 
Love it. Thank you so much, Eric, for being here with us today. Now, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm just travel tall, obviously. Um, So travel tall across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then also I've got my own website, which is traveltall.com. And then everybody can check out the book, which is Sky's the Limit. And that's available on Amazon. So you just type in Sky's the Limit and then Eric or Eric Giuliani. And it's uh, the subtitle is One Man's 70,000 Mile Journey Around the World. I hope people enjoy it. So far, I've been getting really awesome feedback. So I'd love to, uh, to have your listeners read it. Perfect. We'll definitely check that out. Thank you again so much, Eric. We really appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Eric. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares how to travel the world for free by bartering your services. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.